Welcome to Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store Soho in New York. In a moment, we'll welcome this evening's moderator, film critic Joe Newmeyer, and actor Henry Rollins from He Never Died. But first, here's the trailer. Maybe you should join us for a ride. How are you doing today, Jack? I... We need to talk. Do you have anything aside from being ambiguous and hostile? Hi. Hello? Who's Andrea? You never mentioned a daughter. We just met a few hours ago. So what do you want to do today? Bingo. I-20. You're kind of out there, aren't you? Get out! beginning to think that you just crawled out of the ground. I was shocked to find out you had a kid. They have Andrea. Why is he looking at me like that? What are you doing? Have you seen a young lady with a lip ring in here today? What's she look like? A young lady with a lip ring. Hey! Are you Derek? Yeah, motherfucker. How old are you? I have no idea, but I'm in the Bible if that means anything. I'm known as Cain. Probably just gonna go kill another room full of people. You are? Probably. Come on! I'm getting you out of here. I'm going to kill you. Tear you apart and eat you. It's not because I want to, but I have to. Let me die! Please welcome this evening's moderator, film critic Joe Newmeyer. That is a lot of fun, ladies and gentlemen. Henry Rollins. Welcome, sir, and congratulations on the film. It's a lot of fun. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about it specifically in a moment and take some, uh, some questions from the audience. I want to ask you about something, though. Uh, I want to ask you about professional curiosity, because I just listed all the things that you do, and I think that out of anyone I can think of, you are somebody who I think is able to focus in on all sorts of areas that you're curious about, zero in on them and kind of make the leap from one thing to the next. How big is curiosity for you in all of your endeavors? It's the, the main fuel be, behind everything I do. Uh, curiosity and anger. Yeah. Uh, well, any place I haven't been, I'm mad. I want to, damn it, I want to go. Right. And yeah. so you get, you get your passport, the visas stamped in and you hit it. Uh, three weeks ago, I, was, uh, I just came back from uh, the Antarctic Peninsula and it was curiosity that got me there. I'm not mad at the ice or the penguins. I, I'm just angry to know more. Right. And so I just get up and go because I have nothing to lose yeah. in that. Uh, what else are you going to do? Sit around? I can't stand that idea. Yeah. And so I go. Yeah. What about, you've also talked about, uh, you know, the, the idea of being a, uh, a minimum wage 
person, a, a person of uh, you know who, who was raised in a minimum wage environment, on the same way. And I think that kind of thing fuels curiosity as well. I think there's sort of a sense of you know what I wasn't taught it you know officially. I wasn't taught it in schools. There's things that I want to know, and I'm going to try and find out this stuff. Is that does that fuel you as well? Absolutely. Also, I'm no one from nowhere. Yeah. And uh, in high school, the teachers told me, you're never going anywhere. I'm like, well, okay. And I got lucky with rock and roll, and I got to see the world, and I, I went from there. So I, I know where I come from, and I know what I can go back to, which makes me fairly fearless to go forward. Because if I land on, my cell, on the ground and break my arm, I just get up and, you know, you know ah, and just keep going. Uh, so knowing where I come from, I have zero fear going forward. I'm not a tough guy. I just don't want to go back to where I was. Yeah. What about uh, going leapfrogging from one thing to the next? Does one project or one endeavor lead to the next where you do a film and say, you know what, there's something I did some research on here. I don't know enough about that. Let me do something with that. Or you maybe have a host on one of your shows and you, and you are intrigued by something there. You follow up on that. You say, you know what, maybe there's something I want to write about that, something I want to do. Do things kind of connect the dots like that for you? In a way. But I'm a creature of opportunity. I'm an adventurist and an opportunist. And so say I do a film and someone sees the film, hey, we're doing a film, you want a part in this one, we saw you in that one. I'm like, well, if I have the time, yes. And I didn't plan on it, it just happened. Uh, like next year, uh, there's a film I wrote a screenplay for, the film is finished, so I'll be out with that film next year, also t speaking all over the world, about 25 countries. What happens in between all those points, if I have time, I'll go to a country I've never been to before. What happens in 2017, I have no idea at all what I'm doing in 2017 which to me is like cool, like let's fill it in, it's blank canvas. And so I don't do that much planning, and I don't say this year I'm doing movies, because I can't walk into a place and go, you're gonna put me in a movie. That's just not, uh, like he never died. I read the script, it was sent to me, I read it, I loved it. The next day, conveniently, the director and the producer were in town, I was in New York, and I, I met them and I said, I love this film. They said, we wrote it with you in mind, you wanna, you wanna join in? I'm like, I'm in. And that's how I got the part, but usually, I audition. I stand in long lines, I get humiliated, I get told, thanks, get out. And so I'm used to that. Uh, until I book my own tour, then it's, it's me, I'm in control. But quite often, I'm just, you know, hey, we, we're doing this TV show, you want to try and be in it? Yeah, yeah right. why not? Because right. again, I got nothing else to lose. So, so I got to tell you, if, if you walked into a, into a studio or, or into an office and you said, I want to be in this film, I think I would say yes. I, just only because I'd be, I'd be looking at you pointing at me and I said, I don't want to get him angry. So yeah. Say, what about, do you get the same kick from everything that you, that you did? Do, do, does it ebb and flow for you sometimes? Do you say, you know what, last year I was really into doing some music. I want to take a break from that one do some acting here. Is oh, there, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like next year I'm going to go out and, and do talking shows all over. In 2017, I'll need to travel to get more material if I ever want to go on stage again because I can't be repeating material. So 2017 will be travel and whatever else comes up. Hey, you want to be in a TV series? Yeah. yeah. What is it? Uh, and so I'll see what's happening. But whatever I do, as long as I'm not at home, not sitting on the couch, chances are I'm interested in it. Uh, and that's why I leave myself open. And over the years, I've done a ton of TV, a lot of film, a lot of documentary work, voiceover, two radio shows, I write for two different publications, own a publishing company, so i am you know, got a lot of plates spinning because I just say yes to yeah. things. Yeah. And just remain, in general, curious. Yeah. And yeah. It, it gets me places. 
before we take a look at the uh, at a clip, I just want to. You just mentioned about being uh, being open and being. There's a, uh, an interview you did with William Shatner a couple of years ago, and I I really remember it well, where he was talking about sort of being vulnerable and open. You're talking about going to his house, playing and watching football with him and a bunch of guys. Yeah. And he was sort of saying like, what made you invite me? And he was saying, you know, it's about being vulnerable and open, even in friendships, all sorts of things like that. And I think that's really a crucial thing, isn't it? Especially as an artistic person, to be open to not only friendships but also whatever the next year might bring, whatever the next endeavor might bring. I think that, obviously, along with anger, that sort of vulnerability in a weird way goes with it, doesn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. You have to factor in failure. Yeah. And whenever I get... It, that's why I stopped doing music years yeah. ago, because I had no more lyrics, and I was in a position of either repeating the past, and everyone goes, yay, and you just kind of pet the dog, or do something where they go, that, you're not very good at that. You're going to have to come back earlier next time and try harder. That is exciting to me. So if you give me any pool, I'll find the coldest, deepest part to jump into, and like we'll see what happens. Yeah. And so I am always looking for new experiences where I get caught out there, where yeah. I'm a freshman, yeah. where I'm in the copy room trying to get up yeah. at the base of the mountain. Yeah. Once I get up to the top of anything, like when I finish a movie, I don't want to see it. I just yeah. want to make another one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any of my own records, I'll play them once after I get them back to make sure they're mastered correctly. Then I'm done with it. Yeah. I only want to make a new one. I don't want to sail in the boat. I only, I only want to build it, and you can have it. Right, right. <laughs> then I want to go back and build another one or something else. Right. So I like the doing of it. Yeah. When I get to the finish line of completion, that part is kind of depressing. Like, okay, it's done. We wrapped. Yeah. Man, got anything else to do? Yeah, right. And that's the only thing that makes me smile is, in two weeks, you're going here. Right. Yes. Right. And what's the next thing? Yeah. And so I use my home as a resting pad where I can repack, reconfigure my gear and leave. Like yeah. I get back to L.A. tomorrow. I'm gone in about a week and a half. On I'll be in Berlin by yeah. New Year's Day. Yeah. It's always constant motion. It's always what's the next thing. I yeah. Like which yeah. is kind of a, a being like a maniac, you yeah. know, but yeah. I'm a maniac. Not harmful. Right. Just like I said, I'm an adventurist. So what I do is I invent headlines. I look at the map. I got five weeks off. I'll go there, 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 moving in one direction. Yeah. I call my travel agent, I go, book that. She's like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> and she books it, and I leave with a backpack and a camera, and I'll see you in three months oh, or whatever. Fantastic. Yeah. Speaking about harmful maniacs, let's take a look at a clip from He Never Died. Hey. Hi. How's your meeting with Jeremy? Fine. Oh, great. <clears throat> Oh, okay. Okay. So, you and Jeremy meet often? Sometimes. Oh, yeah? Well, we're looking for him. So maybe you should join us for a ride. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's not really an option. Oh! 
Let's bring up the director of the film, ladies and gentlemen, Jason Krofchak. Welcome. Thank you. Now, you wrote this with Henry in mind, right? Yes, I did. Yes, Talk I did. to me about the, uh, the origin of this, the genesis of it, as it were. Right. I was always fascinated with villains and uh, just, like, the discussion of evil. Like, is evil an actual thing? Or is it a, is it a, are you a victim of your circumstances and you could be that? Or is it, is it something innate in you? Uh, and then I kind of cultured this character. And there was a lot of, like, Twilight was out at the time. So there's a lot of these suave vampires that were showing up. And I was like, is that really... How it would be if you lived forever and you had to eat people, or would you just would you kind of like be detached and kind of sad and, and but, but gritty at the same time? And uh, he's he's inspired me in more ways than a thousand. So I, I definitely <laughs> so I definitely had him in mind when I th wanted like a gritty, tough looking, but like a, a shred of sympathy kind of guy. And then uh, he was the you were the perfect like. Trinity, like this mind, body, soul of what I wanted to go for with something like that. So I definitely wrote him in mind visually. And then when I got to the part where like we're going to casting for this, and they're like, "Who do you want to look in? Who do you who, who do you have in mind?" I'm like Henry Rollins. And then uh, a day or two later, I met you, and you read the script a bunch of times, which was amazing. I loved it, yeah. I loved it as soon as I read it. Let's talk, let's describe the character because even though we get a sense of it from the from the trailer, let's describe Jack to the to the audience. Jack has been alive for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it flips the script on our existence in that we, to a certain degree, all do everything with an end date in mind. Ten places to go before you die. Right, right. You know, do this because one day you're yeah. dead. Right. And if you took that away, you might be elated for a while. Like, I live forever? Awesome. Yeah. Get back to me in 500 years yeah. and tell me how you like plague, war, death, injustice, yeah. Yeah. Ho horror. Right. And tell me if you're happy to get up every day. Right. Get back to me in a thousand years and tell me how you're living. And that's where we move in on Jack. He lives in his underwear, sleeps 15 hours a day, watches TV, and he lives on human flesh. Uh, so he goes to bingo to get out of the building where he sits with old people whose flesh is uninteresting, full of drugs, right. you know, veiny and stringy, yeah. so he can be around people and not want to tear an arm off. Right. <laughs> and uh, he gets in a situation where he has to get back into the world of people, which he hates, because at this point, he is now surviving off bags of blood he buys from interns mm -hmm. at the local hospital. And there's always a young broke med student he can buy blood from so he doesn't have to kill anyone, lives alone. He's trying to emit the lowest possible pulse to get through eternity. And then things happen and he has to start doing, you know, he's, a, he's an awful, he's a monster. He's yeah. an awful person. That's one thing where the guy's done horrendous things. He, he's vulnerable. He, he can get a shred of sympathy, but he's not a good guy. At any he's about 99% bad. Yeah. And there's these two f people in the film, wonderful actresses, who we capitalize on Jack's 1% analog, yeah, semi-human. Not yeah. terrible. Exactly. The rest of him is, he's, a, he's awful. But in your hands, he's also very dry and funny. And obviously, like, you know, it's a very deadly, serious type of funny, but it's also such this great dry wit. Well, here's so the well. reason that Jack is monotone, Hemingway-esque declarative sentences. He's trying to like, cut down on any energy exp you know, expenditure yeah. with humans. That's why every scene of ours is like, snap, crack, pop, done. Right. Next, like, please leave me alone. That's why I'm not going to talk to you like this. I'm talking to you like this because I really want this to be over. Can you feel it? <laughs> and so I would work with Jason. I go, he, it's like flatline. He goes, exactly. And so I worked, I had about a year to prepare. 
and I had to like basically Botox my brain, my face, my central nervous system, because Jack is counterintuitive to everything that I am, which is active, right. loud, verbose, you know, kind of bouncy. Jack is like, uh, and then you hit him, he's just like, really? Please, you, just, you gotta go. And so uh, I, I would ask Jason, that's the guy, right? He goes, yes. And so he's bored, he's depressed, and he finds any possible way to avoid people because they remind him that he's never gonna die. Yeah. He really wants out. Yeah, so. yeah. No caffeine during filming, obviously. No Starbucks, no espresso. No, it was yeah. discipline yeah. showing up to the set every day and just like, I am yeah. in this linear, because I have to, I can't lose that and all of a sudden break out into song and yeah. dance. Yeah or smile, or have a human moment with these people, I have to remember I'm other yeah. than. Right. And they don't get it. Right. And he's funny, he doesn't know he's funny, he's just being Jack. Yeah. And so it's situational comedy. Yeah. Like, you see a young lady with a nose ring in here? Yeah. What does she look like, a young lady with a nose ring? Right. And like, I don't, I'm not even offended, I just need to know if she right. showed up, right. and I'll repeat that until he tells me. Right. And the funny part is, the way you, th you way you pitch it, right. he doesn't know he's funny. Right. He right. it's the what's around them that makes it funny. So that's right. yeah, trying to be serious and failing. Is, that's right. I don't know right. why that's so funny, but always, yeah, I keep going back to that. Before we get some questions from the audience, I just want to ask you about because you guys are thinking about this as a TV show as well, a TV series, and you've got a whole backstory set up for Jack, right? The whole idea of him. You've got stuff going through why he was in China during the Civil War and everything like that. You've got this sort of mapped out in a lot of ways. We right? got we got a good chunk of it mapped out. It it, it is the you know the culmination of human history, so it's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, but but we we have we we're trying to expand it as much as we can and get right. as much down as we can, and it's it just be a pleasure to get back in that world and work with Henry and the yeah. rest of the crew that were there. They were they were a dream come true. Yeah, we wrapped the film, yeah. uh, and I was back in Los Angeles two days later. I had a day off in the wrap party, and then I left, and I got back to my my home with a profound sense of emptiness. I missed the crew, I missed the set, I missed the actors and actresses, I missed. Jack, mm -hmm. and this thing that we had created, and I, I, I wanted like a week off to catch my breath and go right back into part two. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't written, yeah. but I, I hated leaving it, yeah. which is a good sign. Yeah. And so we are conspiring together to see if Jack can keep on never dying, because yeah. it, it's a great story, and he's got a great mind. And so I want to get in the vehicle and go. So yeah. sounds great. We can take some questions now. Anyone from the left hand side? We'll start and kind of swoop down. So do you ever get tired? And if you do get tired, um, what do you find that energizes you so that you can continue with your wanderlust? wanderlust? And where do you think the source of your wanderlust is? I get physically tired. I've been in New York for the last three days getting up at 5 a.m. and doing nine hours of press. My shirt is damp because I just sang a song with Stephen Colbert, which was completely crazy. We mauled a Christmas carol. I, I don't think it'll ever recover. And so, and tomorrow I get up at three in the morning to go to Los Angeles and do a full day of press after I get off the plane. I'm not high on anything, nor am I extraordinary. Like I said before, I know what I can go back to. And so what energizes me is the chance to do something really cool, like a film, like a tour, like a this, like a that. And so I jump on it. And when I do burn out, what gets me re-motivated is looking at the next month on the calendar going, wow, look at all the stuff I'm doing or the fear of it, uh, maybe in two years, there's nothing on the calendar, so you better hit this. When I get off, I'm, I'll be off the road uh, Friday night, I wrap out of all this and I'm not responsible to anyone for a few days. I'm just gonna overdose on music. I'm gonna be hitting a lot, of, a lot of records, a lot of vinyl, which has been stacking up since I left. And that to me is the perfect joy. 
caffeinated drink, the turntable, the speakers, that I really don't need anything else. So. What do you mean? Oh, I'm, I'm angry and curious. Like, and I, I have to qualify the anger part. I'm not mad at you at all. Uh, quite the opposite. You can have half my sandwich any day. I'm just mad to know stuff, and I, I live urgently. I'm kind of a maniac. I'm a nut. And so, not harmful. I just want to do stuff. I'm, I've been hyper since I was a little kid. You know, the one who would break down hysterically and cry at the birthday party when I lost pin the tail on the donkey. The one hyperventilates for a day and a half. That was me. <laughs> and then Ritalin came and locked me down. <laughs> Henry, Henry, when you moved into the world of film, who intimidated you stepping into this new world, Ed? What would 16-year-old Henry Rollins, who worked at haagen say to 50-something Henry Rollins today? Uh, the whole thing intimidated me. I started doing film at the behest of Crispin Glover, the actor who's a pal of mine. And he said, Henry, I want you to consider acting. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm a starving musician. And he said, please stay open-minded. You might like it more than you think. Within a year, I was in a UCLA student film called No, Not One. It never came out, but it was a lot of acting. Very dramatic, very heavy. It was like jump school. And a few years after that, I'm chasing Charlie Sheen down the highways of Texas in, in the chase and on and on. What intimidated me, all of it, because I'm out of, I never took an acting lesson, I'm out of my league, I'm around people who do this seriously. So in order not to feel fake, I had to really invest and figure out what is this. I knew I liked it, I just didn't understand what it was. After a few films and when I wasn't acting, I'd sit on set and watch real actors and how they prepare and understand that acting isn't just talking when the other guy stops. You really have to be in every second of the thing. As Soon as I made that transition in the 90s when I really was acting a lot and getting it, then it became a joy and I could take everything that I'd learned on stage, my fearlessness with a band or on my own, and plug that into acting, where I no longer feared auditions. I couldn't wait to go to an audition. I had three ideas. I couldn't wait for the person to see it. Couldn't wait to get on the set and find other people to be in that moment, that hyper-reality moment with. And so I stopped being intimidated and just got into the joy of the, the art. And once you are around real actors, you see how bloody hard it is, and you appreciate someone who can do it. It's. It, it is so hard. Like in this film, I was surrounded by amazing actors. Like if you see the film, you'll see I got carried, basically, by an amazing cast. And when you're in the jet stream with people who want to deliver, you're good to go. I, did, I was in a film once called Heat. I did scenes with Al Pacino. So you're trying to keep up with basically Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon, because he can act a little. I mean, but thankfully he's kind and I was prepared and terrified of failure. And I, I, I you know, I, I passed for normal. I, I held up. I was on set one day and he did a scene with someone who wasn't prepared. They hadn't do their, done, done their due diligence. And he had a very fun time with this guy. The guy wasn't ready and he kind of not doing it. And he's a young man, do you have rocks in your head? You know, Michael, man, Michael, who is this young man? Is he prepared? What's going on in this mind of yours, young man? And the guy's smiling, everyone's laughing, and you hated, you would hate to have been him. And that's when I started thinking, I'm gonna not only memorize my lines, I'm gonna memorize the entire script. I am going to get into the totality of the film. So the next time I show up, I'm ready to do your part, my part, our parts together in high falsetto, in a fake French accent. I mean, I can't, that can never happen to me. 
And that made me take it even more seriously. Not myself, but the art of it, the, the work of it. And then the more you work, the more you invest and just dive in without a net and relying on the other actors to really let it happen. You never want to do anything but act. It's the best. So, Left-hand side here. Yes, ma'am. Right Hi, Henry. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Um, who is your inspiration for actors, and who would you like to act with? Oh, I'm, I'm happy to be anywhere acting. I mean, if, it, if it's like this, I didn't know any of the actors on this show. I just showed up and got to work. I am not at all good enough to say, I'm a, I want this director and this. I just, if anyone who wants me, if it works out, I'm kind of happy to be there doing it. Real actors, like, if, I'd be way too intimidated to say anyone's name for fear of it ever really happening. And then you're like, oh no, oh no, it's happening. I'm fairly intimidated by the, by the Hollywood world because I, I came in through a side door. So I've been lucky. I've worked with directors I, I was a fan of before I was in their film. I was in a David Lynch film, and one day he called me. I'm at my office working at my little publishing company. Hey, it's David Lynch. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I'm trying to figure out who it really is. He goes, hey, I'm doing a film called Lost Highway. I got like a few days left of shooting. I have no more budget, but I have a few small parts I want to give to cool people. Would you like to be in my movie? I said, where are you right now? So don't move. And I just drove over there. And I met him and Bill Pullman and Patricia Arquette, and they were wonderful. He goes, I need a, a prison guard. I go, I, I can be a prison guard. They're like, here's your uniform. The pants are high water. I'm like, he's like, we just won't shoot that part. And all of a sudden, I'm in a David Lynch film like, with like four lines of dialogue. But I, I spent, you know, a week with David Lynch, and we're friends to this day. Um, I would have liked to have said, I want to be in a David Lynch film. I wouldn't say that now for fear of it happening and me just bombing and wasting anyone's time, everyone's time. So I was lucky, and I've ended up with, like, I'm in a movie with this guy. Why am I here? And so it took me a few films to be on a set and not feel like the Hollywood cops are going to bust me and like drag me off. Like when I got a, a role in Sons of Anarchy, I'm like, really? I'm screwed because these people can act. What am I going to do? And so I, you know, I, I hung in there. I, I was clinging, you know, getting beaten up by Charlie every day. Um, but for me, the whole thing has just been, uh, it's why I take risks because it puts me on my A game. Every day you wake up at four, like, okay, okay, don't screw this up. That's when I'm at my best. When I think I've got it handled, that's when the crocodile bites you. And I never, believe me, I never think I've got it wired. And um, it's good for me to, to remember you're not that good, so you better show up early, and then you better bring it, because you're going to be out. Everyone else is much better than you. That's good to, for me to keep in my head. I'm going to take two more questions. Just a very quick question. Was there one moment that surprised you guys on the set the most? Of, was there something spontaneous that came up? When it comes to spontaneity, um, the thing that surprised me the most, actually, was uh, we were doing the finale of the movie, and we didn't have a lot of time to rehearse this, the, the scene in segments. So you had to do, like, ten pages of dialogue straight, like a stage play, and just being able to see that, because you'll never see that on a yeah. film set. You'll just see the, like... I love you, cut. And then that's like, all right, set up for a half hour. And then, but to see actors intertwine and come in and come out and have him do the whole thing in one large chunk, yeah. you'd you, you never really, that never really happens. Yeah. So when you get to see that, like, oh, Jesus, he, his enthusiasm is ridiculous and Wells' his dedication. Yeah. And this is, we, we, we have to make this good. <laughs> With your booming stentorian voice. Not as loud as you, yours, though. Um, so basically, when I heard about this film, 
I sort of read into like the backstory. Kane, it's based on Jack is basically Kane, and that story I've discovered happily is kind of been retold many times over the past what six thousand years that it's been around. And um, my question is basically, have you? Did you guys do a lot of research? Did you read, you know, like Steinbeck did a version of Cain and Abel and East and Eden? Did you read in any the other sort of mixes or takes on Cain and Abel and incorporated it into your movie and how you built your character? Uh, when it comes to just like the, the strict Cain stuff, not so much, but I did do a lot of just like Paradise Lost. That was something I really wanted to dive into and just like the dichotomy of like evil, good and evil, and just making sure that was. I, I wanted to keep it, I wanted to have it have the mythos of religion in it but not be a religious movie if that makes any sense like it just so happens the guys can it just so happens this but he, his cycle it's like kim psychologically is a stone's throw away from somewhat what could be reality and i just wanted it so when it comes to research i kind of try to stick that to more like um john ronson ron johnson help me out here <laughs> john ronson like just just like keeping the, the psychology and trying to keep that fairly concrete or fairly like close to reality Henry, how about you? Did you do any for, for me? It, it's my disappointment with humans. Uh, well, in our in our wonderful country, in 1865, we had the 13th Amendment, and it didn't really free anyone. And in 1868, we had the 14th Amendment, equal protection under the law. And from that, we get Jim Crow. Uh, this country has failed one time after another to have equality. Uh, women are some weird minority who, uh, when they want equal pay for equal work, they're like, what are you, what are you crazy? Uh, gay people are ghettoized, and we don't seem to be able to get over these hurdles. And that's when I want to write off all homo sapiens and go, you know what, I'm done with you, and I'll just take my Zeppelin IV record and go to my room. Um, and, and so sometimes I have, a, I have heartbreak over humans, what they do to each other. They go blow themselves up at a, at a night, at a venue and kill a bunch of wonderful, beautiful young people. What if you had 1,500 years of that in your thinking? What if you could reference every war man ever did? What, if, what would your disappointment and hatred of humanity be when you had to endure wars, pestilence, and so much injustice that we exact upon each other all the time. And I'm only 55, so I, I've had a, quite a snoutful of it, thank you very much. What if I had thousands of years of it, what would I be like? That's what I put into Jack. I didn't do any research, I just tried to think, what would he be like right now after all of that battering? Maybe he loved once, maybe uh, he used to be a, a more upbeat guy. Maybe he enjoyed being a soldier who couldn't die. Uh, he got jaded, and he's the most jaded, depressed biped on the planet. So it's any bad day you've had, plus centuries to dwell. And that's what I brought to it. So he's a crushingly depressed, bummer monster. And uh, which reminds me, you know, on Sunday mornings, I, I hate him. I'm kidding. But that's, so I did, I did no research whatsoever. I just went into myself and like, what would I be like? after the bubonic plague, World War I, et cetera, et cetera. A bummer monster, but one that you're gonna enjoy seeing, no, no kidding, it is really a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, Henry Rollins, Jason Krofcheck. Movie is He Never Died. Thank you. Thanks very much. <laughs>